Hi there, this is Ed McGuire, Insights Partner with Momenta Partners. Welcome to the Momenta Intelligent Edge podcast series, where we feature leading practitioners and thinkers across connected industry and the broader technology landscape. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Momenta Edge podcast. This is Ed McGuire, Insights Partner at Momenta. And today, we've got a special guest, one of our team, Lauren Salisbury, who's a strategy partner with Momenta Partners. Lauren, it's, it's great, to, great to have you on the podcast. No, thank you. I'm, uh, I'm very delighted to join you on one of these very first podcasts, too. Yeah, it's great. So Lauren, Lauren and I have had a chance to, uh, to work together on some projects, and she brings some, uh, some unique perspectives and, and has, uh, has some great experience where the rubber hits the road, as it were. So, uh, so and, and we're, we're both, we're all, in fact, uh, quite passionate about connected industry here. And, and I guess, you know, the first question, I think, Lauren, what about, what's your, you know, what's your, What's your background, and can you talk about what brought you to uh, to focus on connected industry? Yeah, sure. So, um, look, my, my background um, from a personal perspective, I'm a uh, I'm I'm one of the very lucky 4.6 million people that um, makes up the New Zealand population. So, I'm a, I'm a very proud Kiwi and uh, a mum and a, a stepmom and a, and a wife. And um, you know, I've had a um, you know, I've had a really fortunate career, something that started in New Zealand. In fact, uh, funnily enough, the connected industry or IT uh, was not really my, my first um, choice in life. In fact, I wanted to get into performing arts, but it turns out I wasn't actually as gifted as I, I thought I was. Um, and so, you know, not really knowing what to do at sort of 16 and 17 years old, which is pretty normal these days. Um, I just, I, I had no idea and I, I happened to stumble through a um, test in my computer studies class and I got 100% and I thought, oh, do you know what, I might just give that a try and, you know, and that was it. That sort of got me into the industry to start with. So, um, you know, I, I, I did all the usual stuff, crawling around under desks, putting RAM upgrades in and, you know, setting up modems and getting ready for Y2K and all of that sort of thing, and and you know, in one of those early jobs, I got the opportunity to to go to Australia from New Zealand, um, and um, I was just a little project, but I loved it, and um, you know, that really set me off travelling, and and um, you know, at the tender age of uh, 22, I, I left New Zealand to really start my my career. Um, so you know, nothing was really by design, though. I I, I fell into the world of uh, supply chain and uh, transport and logistics very early on in my career. Um, I started working uh, out of Sydney with a couple of um, you know very boutique software firms, and you know got to do some really cool stuff. They were small companies, so we were really in a um, great opportunity to be at the forefront of really innovating in some of these spaces. You know, some of the very first. Uh, vehicle tracking and you know I, I'm probably giving away my age now but you know some of the very first tracking we did was sending out messages to a, a Nokia phone and, and a driver pressing one for yes I'll do it or or two for no so you know obviously it's moved on a lot and you know I've been really um, you know fortunate to be part of that process um, but you know it, through through that through that time I you know I was really getting involved in doing some things and just really um, you know, following my instincts and, and learning about how to really 
um, think about how we can leverage technology in a, in a physical world and how do we bring customers' problems in a physical world um, and be able to solve them through, um, you know, digital solutions or connected solutions. Um, some of the very early days I was spinning out waste management systems off the back of transport because we could see adjacencies there and we could see opportunity, um, you know, getting to um, really, um, you know, do some, you know, do some really um, quite crazy things. I remember sitting in Sydney actually having a discussion with uh, Google and this was just when they bought out their, you know, brand new Google mapping and mm. you know, the, the whole, the idea of thinking we could track vehicles was very nascent at that time. I remember sitting there with them and we were saying, how are we going to charge for this? And we're all sitting there quietly. And I, I don't think ever in this guy's wildest dreams did he think he'd be giving it away for free, right? I mean, yeah. it was, yeah, it was such a long time ago. So, um, you know, so my, my, um, you know, so from a very early age, I, you know, getting involved in connected industry, just not really knowing what it is. You know, we often talk about patterns um, and, you know, in fact that, um, you know, what we're doing today is not really new or novel. And when I look back in my career, I can see that, you know, that very much is the case. We were doing some of this stuff in really early days. So, um, you know, I then started to move up the food chain a bit um, and um, I started working for a multi-billion dollar um, uh, supply chain company. Um, and this is really where I, I was getting more involved in thinking about how we can connect things um, and bring that data back to a business. And I started by running an RFID business for this supply chain um, multinational where we were really looking at how we could leverage a footprint of billions of billions of assets moving the world's products around and be able to get levels of um, transparency that we could monetize. Um, and so this led me to bringing, uh, the, I guess, the fir world's first uh, connected pallet to, to market, um, which I think now in hindsight was well before its time because the, the business's um, models needed to, needed to catch up. Um, but this was, you know, this was really um, to essentially the same problem we're trying to solve today around how to, um, you know, how to connect things and turn them into bus uh, business value at, at, its most, uh, at its most simplistic form. Um, I, one of the things I then had an opportunity to do, which is, is probably, um, you know, slight, slight adjacency to the, the very technology focus that I had had is really move more into more true innovation. Um, I got the opportunity to run the global innovation for this, um, for this large multinational and uh, as well as being able to run the digital portfolio, I've got more involved in core business innovation. Um, and also more futurist uh, Horizon 3 innovation. And I, I thoroughly enjoyed this. It kind of um, it kind of put some um, put some process and framework around the things that I had been instinctively doing my entire career before people really talked about innovation. Um, and so it was, you know, it was really brilliant. And I got to do create some real meaningful value from a cultural perspective, as well as delivering real value to the business. Um, so you know, that, that was a, a thoroughly amazing time. And, and it's the, I think it's the convergence of everything I know about technology and how to bring that, you know, bring technology to life and then how to inspire and create innovation within a, and sometimes an extremely complex business environment, which is the bit that I'm the most passionate about. And, you know, I think that's loosely translated to digital transformation now. Right. I'm not sure. It's, right. Everyone calls it something different. So, um, yeah.
Yeah, so that was, I mean, that was, it must have been a pretty amazing experience. I mean, uh, working with RFID in those early days really is the, I mean, that's the essence of, of you know, connecting assets and, and, and having all the data. And then, uh, then, you, then you ended up learning about all of the organizational or business uh, dynamics that were developing at the time. And uh, it's, it's, it's pretty amazing I mean, that, you know, seeing this all evolve. I mean, how does, I mean, as you think about when you look at, you know, what makes a, a successful project, uh, you know, think back to when you, when you were first thinking about the, um, the whole process of, of, of connecting these, these assets and, you know, what it took to get, to, you know, to get to a successful solution. I mean, you know, what in your mind really dis- defines a, you know, a successful, a successful connected uh, solution? When we're talking about just assets, for 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 an example. Yeah, sure. So, look, I think one of the biggest things about um, connecting assets is um, really acknowledging the fact that um, assets move. Um, well, there's two types of assets. So you have mobile assets that will move through a supply chain. Um, and if we focus on them for, for a moment, you know, when, when you think about success, um, success for an asset is really being able to say, how can we, how can we light up a, a network or, or an ecosystem that an asset travels through and then be able to take all of those data points and turn them into meaningful value? But where it gets tricky, and this, this is what I learned in, um, when we were doing the RFID business, is actually to get the greatest level of value um, when you have assets moving across the supply chain is to have the entire supply chain enabled. Um, and when we were, when back in RFID days, that became very different, uh, difficult because of the very nature of the technology. It required high level of infrastructure to be fixed into uh, physical locations that those assets were going to travel through, um, and that was, you know, that was that was very costly. Um, and one of the and the, the key challenge was is if not every single node of your value chain or your supply chain was connected, your, um, you know, it, it impaired your ability to get the greatest value out of having RFID as a, as a means to gain more data. So that, that was, you know, in our very first evolution of talking about how we connect assets, that was, you know, one of the key learnings. And it, it still is somewhat a challenge today. And in fact, we then went the other way and we said, right, well, we're not going to get um, the level of buy-in uh, across the value chain because you need, you know, you essentially need five to eight uh, different companies to all say, yes, let's go and do this together. Uh, and back then, remember, this is, you know, 2010, <laughs> it was hard to get just one company to, to, to get on board. So this is uh, this is where the, the advancements in technology is playing a really exciting role in solving um, what is still the same business opportunity. And I guess this is this is one of the biggest things I've learned is that the business opportunities are exactly the same. Oh. We're just working out new ways of doing it. Um, and so if you get more, if you have technology that doesn't require high levels of in- infrastructure and enables you to get visibility and gain data points of where an asset travels, um, you know, for free, you know, that's a very different discussion and success becomes a lot more, um, you know, a lot more achievable. So, um, you know, you, you'll probably hear me say the word ecosystem a million times whilst we're talking today. And it's essentially that, you know, you, you need to be able to light up an ecosystem of an of a, uh, asset to get 
uh, forget the most value. Yeah, so that I mean that's really a non-trivial undertaking to, uh, you know, to be able to, you know, to coordinate, uh, you know, an entire uh, supply chain or, or, or ecosystem. Uh-huh. Um, and with in terms of technology, I mean, how 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 have some of the uh, advancements in uh, you know sensor technology or say uh, you know low power communications technologies helped uh, it really advance the um, you know the the ability to, to to really achieve success? Yeah. So the advancements. Look, there's a couple of really key things when we talk about, um, particularly if we talk about assets. But I think this is more general across the entire industrial um, connected industry. Um, is you know the advancements. There's been enormous advancements in energy and battery power and you know that that whole area some of the very first battery powered um, devices I was working with you know we would have you know two or three AA batteries which is you know it is huge um, and now you're able to get both um, much smaller you can get rechargeable you you can get solar you can get uh, you know really huge advancements in the battery space which has been quite um, yeah, been quite disruptive actually um, in a good way. Um, the other challenges you need to think about, you know, these some of the things that we came across with batteries is that, you know, often when you're putting battery batteries or, or power of any sort, whether it's a fixed or mobile asset, um, you are changing the, the, the structure of the asset. So something that might have been at worst, um, I guess, a fuel source if there was a fire or something to now having technology within it, which could effectively turn it into an ignition source. So there was some there was some real challenges around that and the advancements in, around both battery um, and energy capabilities as well as safety has been huge. Um, and then, you know, I think aligned in the same way, it's, um, you know, the size and the form factors um, are, uh, are in the same vein, you know, the things are getting smaller, safer, and have, um, you know, the ability to have more capabilities. Um, and then, you know, essentially the, the options now for, for uh, communication types from, you know, LP-WAN to cellular to, to whatever it is, you can actually now start to get, start uh, building out solutions that use the right communication type for the use case, <laughs> as opposed to just using GPS because that's all we had to start with, and then mm. back calling that with some cellular and not getting you know the same level of um, you know same level of accuracy, and then you know you start to then think about some of the the wireless technologies in the um, RTLS space where you've got ultra wideband, which gives enormous amounts of accuracy, but it's very expensive, you know, right through to you know the RFID tags are still still there. Uh, and and that's a low cost way of still being able to achieve it. So, you know, there's huge advancements and advancements in that technology, which gives you greater optionality to solve use cases uh, within the business. And you don't have to have one fit for for your whole business. You have what fits your use case. Right. And so so the technology's really made it a lot easier to to be flexible. But I but what I heard you saying before really is that it does come back to, you know, the change in the, the change in the business and the business value is mm-hmm. so critical. And you know, you mentioned that that uh, that 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 phrase which is so uh, so overused or there's so much mystique around it, digital transformation. Uh, how, how do you think of, of digital transformation, and, and you know wh- why is it why is it so difficult to, to characterize? 
Yeah. So, um, yeah, it is a really overused term, um, but it's also a good term because it, 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 you know, it, people sort of get a gist of what it does mean. The reason it's difficult is it, it means, and, and it should mean something different to everyone because, you know, you could be a business, you could be a technology company that's embarking on digital transformation and you have very different needs and approaches to perhaps, um, you know, a, a, um, a, an industrial who's looking to use your technology to change the shape of their business. Uh, in fact, uh, when we uh, I was on a call yesterday with one of our, our colleagues, and uh, he used the term, um, you know, digital transformation artist, which I thought was quite funny because, <laughs> you know, like art, you know, it's, you've got to be creative, you've got to be patient, which, you know, some people who know me may argue I'm not, but, you know, I am in the sense. Um, and But, you know, the, the biggest thing is you need to have the confidence to be able to create something from either a blank canvas or, or even a sketch. Um, and something that perhaps other people can't start at the time. So I thought it was a great analogy. But, um, you know, for me, digital trans transformation, it's not really a technology discussion. Um, it's really about thinking about how technology can um, um, uh, update perhaps existing business processes um, and, you know, and, and expose greater value through those, um, but also about realising new ways to solve problems and incubate new business types. So, for example, it's about saying if you've got physical goods and assets, could they be turned to services? Uh, have you got capital purchases that could be subscriptions? Um, but as well as the, the sort of business model side, it's about saying, well, the, the very nature um, of the relationship that everybody in your business and your ecosystem have with each other is going to change um, right through to how people within the day-to-day organisation um, work uh, to how your customers consume your business, uh, all of those, all of those aspects. Um, and so, it, it, the reason it's difficult is because it because it's not just technology. I, I sort of think it's difficult um, because we have to be essentially artists <laughs> to use that mm. term um, in, in probably four four key areas. Um, you know, we we have to ha understand our ecosystem. Something that's um, you know, that a lot of companies perhaps don't do um, yet. They, they probably uh, have an idea of it, but they've never really sat there and thought, what is our real ecosystem? Because actually when you, when you start to think, you know, all of the, the players in your ecosystem, you can start to understand where you can get, you can get value from that. Um, you can start thinking about how can you monetize that, that ecosystem, um, that, uh, you know, as one, as one part. But then you can also say, well, there's also new ways of innovating here that we've perhaps never done before. We can co-collaborate across our, our, our ecosystem. We can take lessons from our ecosystems. We can maybe access resources that weren't, weren't previously, um, you know, available to us. So I think there's a, there's a real, um, you know, there's a real catalyst as a, as a digital transformation leader, um, within your, your, uh, ecosystem. Um, there's, there's your tech, the second piece would probably be around the technology choices, just as we we're sort of demonstrating before, you know, one of the key things now is optionality. Um, and, you know, having, having an understanding of both prevailing and emerging technologies and, and, and knowing that you have optionality to solve those, all of your unique problems and opportunities is, is really exciting for me, certainly, because, you know, you, it means your, your time to market can be different. You've got, you know, greater opportunity that perhaps you never thought you had before. Um, 
the, 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 the third thing would probably be, you know, how you commercialise. Um, so, you know, we, we use that term business model innovation, which is really, uh, it's really exciting, right? Because you've got, you know, you've got the opportunity to come to market in many different forms and evolve that as, as you go. You, you know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be comfortable if I had a conversation with a large corporate who wanted to do digital transformation. And the first thing they wanted to do was business model transformation because it actually is a journey. It's a journey for you to learn. It's a journey for your customers to consume you differently and to trust. Um, and, and it's a, it's a pathway and, and it, and it starts with really realizing the opportunity around how to optimize the existing business. And then you start to move towards business, um, you know, business model transformation by, you know, being able to be more creative with how you price and go to market through to identifying new ways of creating revenue streams. So, you know, it's, it's that journey. Um, and then, and then finally, the, the big, big thing for me is, you know, the people's uh, centricity of it. Um, you know, the organization, the culture will change. Um, but that so, you know, and, and so should, you know, um, and so should it because you're going to have massive levels of transparency across your business. Um, but it is, you need to also, you know, have the right people driving this, this type of, um, this type of program. So, you know, this is why it's difficult because if it was just the technology, it would be really easy and fun all the time. But it's, it's all of these things, um, which, um, which, which lead towards successful, um, digital transformations. Yeah, so I, I mean that's 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 a lot to bite off for any organization, <laughs> right? So I mean you talked about uh, you know several components there, right? There's the business model, mm -hmm. there's uh, there's talent, but you know when we go back to ecosystems, right? I think that's a I mean that's a that's really interesting if you're in a company mm -hmm. uh, that has you know partners, challenge partners, uh, different types of stakeholders. Um, but that's not necessarily, uh, you know, an easy thing to embrace, and a lot of time there'll be there'll be siloed thinking. So, how how do you think about how how an organization and you you know if you have any examples that come to the top of mind of you know of a, of a company that that might be faced that you know has to has to work that cultural change to get past that you know that that siloed thinking to to really think broadly i mean because i think what you're talking about here is is really it's a it's it's a shift in thinking not just not just changing a process so how do you think yeah. about that yeah absolutely it, it it is there's a you know there's an overarching mindset change that that needs to be to be embraced but that doesn't always mean that every single person in your entire business needs to now be you know really innovative and, and always think differently because you know you do need you do need cross-functional teams that have a lot of different capabilities you do need your creative people you do need um, you know your introverts and your extra extroverts and your analysts and all of these things because you know it is it's still not, it still is business as usual. We're still essentially solving problems uh, and creating opportunities for, for our customers and being customer focused um, like, like we always were. So I think one of the, one of the first things is, is probably not to scare people because, you know, I just went through a whole lot of things that are really seem quite overwhelming if you're thinking about digital transformation. Um, but actually there are, there are people out there and there are companies out there that, that you know, are, are practitioners and experts of that. So really leveraging that and bringing that into your organization 
um, and both um, empowering your organization and empowering the people within your organization as uh, through through teaching and learning, you know, will give them exposure to digital transformation in a way that's perhaps one less disruptive, but secondly, um, you know, probably a bit more fun than perhaps what it might <laughs> sound yeah. like. You know, it's not being you're not being punched in the face with that. Um, and you know, you might find you have superstars in your team that have just never been in an environment or or um, um, had a had a strategy that that brought the best out of them. Um, so you know, I think um, you know, understanding your your ecosystem is is something that you might find that a lot of people are actually already doing today, and they don't fully understand. Um, the the power behind it and how they could uh, leverage it um, in different ways. Um, there's, you know, I think one of the one of the really key things and one of the examples of of seeing a, an ecosystem in action. Um, you know, we we were very fortunate at Momentum Partners to participate um, in a um, a Cisco Hyper Innovation Living um, Lab session a couple of years ago with um, somebody uh, run by somebody called Kato Keep. And this was a really exciting opportunity around how actually bringing an ecosystem together um, and to co-collaborate uh, and co-invest in, in a real problem um, was able to drive some, drive some uh, meaningful success. So in this particular uh, example, we were looking at how to improve the lives of oncology patients. Um, and this brought together, you know, key, key technology partners. It brought together, you know, hospitals, chemists. Um, it brought together your doctors, your, 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 your patients, your carers, all of the types of things that, that participated in an ecosystem. And everybody co-collaborated in a, in a really exciting way to come up with some um, really meaningful outcomes that were, you know, digital, digital, digitally enabled. Um, and, you know, that, you know, that seeing that in action um, was was really um, you know it was really rewarding both for the cause and and for watching the innovation and uh, innovation happen, and and why it was really really um, wh why this works is that when you if you if you're trying to innovate or do your digital transformation in a silo, you know I can guarantee you will one bear all of the costs and you're not going to see the upside of the reward because the very nature of, of uh, this technology and digital transformation means that your products and services are going to um, actually affect your ecosystem. And so when you actually come together as an ecosystem and think of ways to co-collaborate, you know, those costs and those values are more evenly shared. Uh, and not only that, you can get to market quicker and, you know, all of those types of things. So, you know, it's, there's unlocked potential in, in, that, in that space. Yeah, so uh, I mean, you're you're not only dealing with a, a, a kind of a broader uh, horizon of thinking, but uh, but you're you're asking people to to think differently, and I think that's mm -hmm. that cat gets to another one of the, the the key points that you made is and and you know how do you, how do you get people to uh, well first of all how how do you find the right people to to uh, to affect change that might be you know cultural and, and can impact the business model and uh, are there any you know are there any techniques or really effective ways that you've found that can help uh, you know people that might be stuck in a siloed process you know start to think differently yeah so um, so two the sort of two bits so the first bit about um, uh, finding the the right people um, look I you know I think 
you need you need to perhaps look for those people who perhaps have been a little bit disruptive in the past. Um, you know, those sort of people who you know, at the outset, don't look like they fit in the box. You know, one of my biggest challenges my entire career is, you know, when people ask me the question, what do you do? I'm like, oh, boy. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, so, um, you know, because I've, I've never fit in the box. And, and you know, you know, finding people who've got both strategic and, te- and technical acumen is, is key. People who've got, um, you know, self-awareness and, and um, have got, you know, corporate agility, if you're doing it in a large corporate, is, is essential. Uh, people who can lead and empower. Because actually, to, to be a real catalyst for digital transformation, you don't actually need to know the answers to everything. In fact, mm. you, it's better if you don't. You need to be able to um, have, you know, have the ability to feel comfortable operating in the grey and you need to be able to think who are the right people that I need to help me help me go and, and, and do this. Who are the people who can bring the evidence and, and the data to the table to help us make informed informed decision. So yeah, you, you kinda you're looking for you know, you're looking for people um, you know, with all with all of those types of skills. Um, you know, and then, you know, the second question around um, you know, how to think differently when you are in, you know, in these silos. Um, you know, I think there's 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 a couple of uh, of things there, and one of the uh, one of the uh, things that I was taught really early on in, in my career, which is um, you know don't don't do the obvious. So when you're trying to have a different mindset and you're trying to innovate um, as a business, you know you might think, oh, I want to create a digital service for for something, and you know there's a there's a natural tendency to go and stand up a team of of really cool engineers. Um, who can bring a platform together and bring some tech in and play with it on their desks and all of those sort of um, things. And what you've actually done is you've just gone and reinforced the one thing you know, which is you know that technology can actually probably do the digital service. What you haven't done is explored the uncertainty. And, and, you know, I I talked about people who can operate in the grey. This, This is why this connects, is that um, to to break out of operating as a silo, to be more innovative as a business, and to extract greater upside opportunity from digital transformation, you need to focus on testing and proving out all of the assumptions you've made, uh, all of the uncertainty in your idea or your concept or your new business, um, and um, use go out and run tests, tests and experiments to gather data about those to reduce those uncertainties. To start bringing your, um, you know, your your um, venture uh, together in the very early stages. Um, and what this does is is um, it it's it's um, it's a good tool to use because it does a couple of things. It helps you come up with a much better solution because you're out, you know, instead of since, uh, putting a technology team together who are developing something they think is really cool, you're out testing the market to see actually what do people want. Uh, you're out, you know, just testing, you know, you don't want to get halfway through a project and find that there's one piece of technology that doesn't actually do what you need to do and you have to pivot and come up with a solution that doesn't match your market. So instead of building it, just test that little bit of technology that you're uncertain about. So th- these are just some of the, the, the techniques and skills that, that I use. Um, and it's all, uh, it's all within a framework and it's evidence and data driven. And why that's really important is that that, that is actually ha- what helps people 
think differently and helps break through some of um, your blockers that you might have in an organization because it's no longer a personal discussion. I'm not Lauren coming to you, Ed, to say, I've got some really cool ideas that could change your entire operations um, and, you know, I need a million dollars for, but I think we could make 10 million. I'm saying, you know, I, I think I've got a $10 million business here. I don't need to disrupt your organization. I just need to do this really small test to prove out some uncertainties. Right. And so that, that changes some of the dynamics that organizations fear when they're faced with digital transformation. And, and as you start to do that, you're, you start to just organically stop innovating in a silo because, you know, it's not like you're just all of a sudden there's a business going, right, we're not innovating in a silo, tell everyone we're coming. You know, you're just doing it based on a, a very focused um, approach um, around testing out the sensitivities in your in your program. Yeah, it's sort of like adopting a, a bit of a startup mindset, right, within a... Within a large within a large organization, is that mm -hmm. yeah? So um, yeah, of course, have, bringing people who are outside outside of the box thinkers is is uh, um, can be a little bit disruptive, a little bit risky. But that sounds like you know your approach is really uh, a way to mitigate some of the the kind of the kind of organizational pushback or the the immune system response that that kicks in. So. Yeah, and I actually heard a, um, I was listening to something um, from um, a, a, another Kiwi actually, and he put a blog up um, saying, you know, should a, a business be off, offensive or defensive and how does digital transformation play? And, you know, I, I was reading some of the comments and, and listening to it. And, of course, the entrepreneurs were saying, oh, yeah, let's be offensive, offenses. And, and all the, you know, the CFOs are probably saying, let's be defensive. Um, and, you know, when I, when I read through that and I sort of thought, you know, you don't need to be either. And, in fact, adopting techniques like I was talking about enables, um, you, know, it, it, you know, it really breaks that down. It doesn't mm -hmm. have to be a, a fight for, you know, for what we're doing because yes. we have to, we have to realize businesses have have to operate and still meet their month targets and do all of those things whilst they're looking towards the future. And, you know, there, there is a happy balance and it is possible to do it in a way that's sustainable. Yeah. So what are the what are the industries where you've seen the I, I, some of the most promising uh, opportunities and, and success stories? I mean, you've had the opportunity to work with with a few different a uh, few different types of industries going through these these processes. And, you know, is there anything that, uh, you know, that's that that kind of hits hits close to your close to the heart in terms of you know where you where you feel that they're they're great opportunities? opportunities. Yeah. Um, so I, I think one of the things I've really noticed in, you know, just m more recently is actually how the opportunities, um, uh, the, the, I guess the, the lines between different industries and different verticals are um, blending somewhat. And actually the, the opportunities within them are very, very um, similar. Um, and some of those opportunities actually best lie on the fringes of, of, of the worlds that they exist in. And so by, by that, I mean, you know, for me, some of the stuff that I think is really exciting is saying, you know, when I, when I look at a supply chain, for example, or a transportation company or logistics, what, you know, any part of that, you know, I, I see brick and mortar everywhere. Um, and there's buildings and there's all of these sort of things that, uh, you know, take, take away the vehicle and the transport. There's all these big, huge brick and mortars. You know, for me, that's, I think that's a huge opportunity. Um, you know, also not just what's inside them. How do we 
what do we do with those um you know with those spaces what if we were to put solar panels and start storing and trading in energy leveraging that building and then so you know and that's what i mean about the blurred lines between the verticals because all of a sudden you know potentially a supply chain company can also start dealing in energy so that that stuff i mean that you know it's it's all you know it's 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 all stuff that's possible technology today um and you know it's just about catching up to the physical you know the physical world catching up but you know that that sort of stuff it really excites me you know that real convergence of the physical world to the digital world and how we can look beyond how we apply it in our day-to-day -day businesses um to create new and different businesses is is um you know really really exciting and um yeah, so, you know, those sort of spaces, I love, in, you know, I love the concept of, of smart spaces, but, um, you know, people sort of immediately think of a smart building. Um, I don't, I think any space is a space. I was talking to somebody yesterday who's developing a really cool sensor for a shoe. Um, and I'm like, well, that's a space. The shoe is a space. So, you know, anything where you've got, you know, a smart space that can connect everything and everyone in it. Um, and, you know, the amount of amazing potential of, of data and analytics and, and AI and, you know, the convergence of all of those different technologies, um, you know, there's massive opportunities there. It's, it's yeah, it's exciting. I have lost you, Mr. Ed. Oh, sorry. Uh, are, are you? Um, we were uh, we were muted there. Uh, what What do you think about the um, uh, the are are there are there any uh, misperceptions or common uh, uh, concerns that that you run into when you're when you're talking to uh, mm -hmm. when you're talking to, to either users or or companies and. Um, you know, yeah. how, how do you, you know, how do you, how, how, how do you deal with some of the, uh, I guess, disconnects in terms of, you know, perception of, of what's possible and, uh, you know, maybe some, uh, you know, reservations and, and, and concerns to, mm. to undertake a big project? Yeah, absolutely. So I think I think the biggest the biggest misconception, and, and it's probably not helped by people like me who are so passionate and excited about the future. Um, but I think the the biggest misconception is that um, you know is there, there there is a gap between what's happened, what we can do in the future, um, and just getting started. Um, and so you know people people think well you know we're never going to get there, so let's just not get started. So. Um, and a lot of the reasons they do that is that, you know, I hear time and time again about we don't have the right foundations in place to be able, you know, we're a supply chain company. We don't have the foundations in place to be able to sell solar energy. If you use the example that, of that, well, you know, the discussion today is not about becoming a solar energy company. The discussion today is around, you know, how do we actually get started? You know, what, what can we do as a business to optimize you know, how do we optimize our, our people, our assets, our, our uh, general productivity as a business to start? And so one of, I think one of the biggest misconceptions is, um, you know, that you have to go big or go home. Um, but you, you actually, you know, digital, the, you know, the word transformation starts, anything about transformation starts somewhere, right? If you go on the, if you want to get thin, you've got to start by, you know, starting day one on your diet. You know, the, it all starts from somewhere. So, um, you know, I think that's a that's a big misconception that you you, you need to start. Um, the second thing is, you know, I think you know we talk a lot about exciting technology, and for 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 I guess for those of us who are technologists, we we immediately understand how that can translate 
into business value. But we need to recognise that, you know, it's a, it needs to be an, a, an opposing discussion when we're talking with businesses. It needs to be business value driven. It's not a technology discussion at all. Uh, it's always a, a business discussion. And I think that that's a, another misconception that has perhaps been a blocker for companies to start. Yeah. Have you found that there's a, uh, you know, there are cultural differences between operational technology folks and, and information technology? And if there's a, and, do, and do you need a, t a change agent to really to really realize uh, realize change when you're uh, or realize effective results when you're when you're dealing with, say, you know, traditional manufacturing companies or or mm -hmm. industrial companies, you know, when they're when they're when they're dealing with you know, the IT culture? for the first time what are you know what are some of the uh what are some of the dynamics around around those um those yeah, areas a, a, a huge huge cultural divides between you know your operating and uh, op ot and it and um you know and and so there should right um you know you you know when you're talking about the operating technologies or, or you know i tend to i tend to just call that a, a physical world in some cases um, you know, you're, you're talking about people who are, you know, these people are, are paid, are rewarded for ensuring that the operating of that business never, ever, ever has any problems and they're, they're, they're meeting their targets and their KPIs. And these are, in some cases, you know, critical uh, manufacturing processes. And so the very thought of somebody coming in and putting some technology in place that could disrupt that um, is, is horrifying. Um, and... You know, at the same time, you've got these, you know, you've got the IT side of the business, which is being um, paid and measured on the ability to extract data out of the, the out of, um, you know, out of the operating floor to, to bring analytics, to bring data to the business that they can, they can use to create new value or measure their business. So they're absolutely opposing <laughs> um, cultures. And, um, you know, one of the biggest challenges in the middle of that is trust. And, you know, this is why, you know, you asked about is a change agent needed and, and, and absolutely, um, you know, I think having, having somebody who can empower the collaboration between these two worlds and have them understand, um, you know, what, how, have them understand how them, how their collaboration will ultimately improve both their worlds and that of everybody within their, their, you know, you know their world. Um, is is really critical to, to having them work together. And, you know, funnily enough, when they start working together, I can guarantee you they're going to come up with ideas and um, upside that they never would have considered possible before. So, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a leadership and it's a people discussion. Yeah. So, just in, in your in your experience, are, are there any uh, creative or innovative solutions that that really stand out to you? That um, you know that are you know when you're dealing with a you know a situation where uh, you know companies looking to make make a transformation or maybe move into a, a new business, are are, are there any that? Um, uh, you know, any, any instances or examples or or solutions that uh, you know that, that really strike you as 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 kind of notable and and impactful. Um, I think, funnily enough, the most simple things. Um, so you know, we, we, I said a little bit before about you know you don't have to go big to start, mm. and actually the most notable and the most um, you know interesting are often the most simple, right? I, I, you know, I, the, the same company I spoke to yesterday who got the cool thing in the shoe, 
Um, they've also got this the, uh, this really great product, super simple. It offers people the optionality for short-term parking um, off the back of um, leveraging corporate um, parking spaces that are not being used. Um, simple, simple. Um, but you know, it, it's really. I was really impressed because you know they brought together all the all the parts to to make it to make it happen. Um, and so I think you know those are the things. Those are the small wins, um, and they're the they're the things that lead towards this world of of digital uh, transformation. Mm. Um, I think that you know for me that I find that really interesting. I I you know I. You know, on a grander scale, you know, some of the advancements we see in, in you know, in artificial intelligence is is um, amazing. I, I think it's it's great, and you know, if you as long as we keep those discussions going around digital ethics and all of that sort of stuff mm. to to couple that, it's you know, there's there could be some you know really amazing stuff happen in that space. Yeah, um, how um, now you have. Uh, you, you recently moved back to, to New Zealand after mm -hmm. uh, spending some time in uh, in the UK, and uh, it, you, so you've had the, the perspective of being away for a while, and now coming back to you know to uh, you know, uh, uh, your your home your hometown, but uh, your home country, and uh, you must have some perspective. I mean, how is how how is the market different, and how have things changed? Uh, yeah. For, for you? So um, I think, so starting with change, I mean, I, I've, I've been out of um, New Zealand, um, I think I calculated it was something, 19 years and 14 days. Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, you know, and in that time, I mean, I've, I've been very blessed. I've had an international career and I've had the opportunity to work with, you know, in all, all cultures and, you know, globally from you know, not just the UK, across North America, I've spent time in South Africa, across Europe, um, you know, and so, you know, it gives me, um, you know, I've seen the, the very different ways that people um, drive uh, their connected industry growth. Um, you know, the, 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 some of the stuff they're doing in South Africa is really great, particularly within the, the supply chain space. They've got amazing, um, they've been far more advanced actually in that space than many of the other regions I've, I've worked with. Um, you know, there's, there's some great uh, stuff happening in Europe, and I, I love the fact that the European Commission drives a lot of that. And then, of course, you know, we've, we get to work, um, you know, with all sorts of, um, you know, different size co uh, companies across North America. And so, you know, from all of that, I've learned um, so huge amounts about the difference in, in culture and the different ways that, that businesses can operate and actually what what some com what some um, cultures and companies find very difficult, others find very easy. So you know, as a catalyst of change in those environments, I've been able to to empower them with that with that information and see some really cool stuff happen. Um, but so you know, when I when you, I talk about coming back to the, the New Zealand market, I can't really compare it because you know I think in total I worked maybe six months out of out of university um, before I, I left. So. Um, you know, I, one of the things I can tell you is it's a lot hotter than it was <laughs> when no. I uh, when I used to live here. So uh, there's certainly some um, uh, personal change. But you know, I think New Zealand as a market. I mean, you know, I you know we're very much focusing on New Zealand to start because it is my hometown, and and um, we've only been on the ground here. Um, my mentor partners has only been on the ground for four weeks. Um, 
You know, it's firstly, it's smaller. You know, I talked about the, the population being 4.6 million. Well, a good chunk of uh, those Kiwis are out traveling the world. So it's a, it's a, it's a mm. much smaller industry. Um, it's, um, I think, just the very nature of where we are and our, and our size. We're, we're probably lower on that maturity curve when we think about uh, companies and where they are on their digital transformation. And, and many are still, you know, in that phase, moving from siloed innovation into, into thinking about how they could do it differently. But the, the, the broader market is also um, quite different um, and, and probably, you know, quite unique. Um, you know, the, the New Zealand market is really export driven. Um, and in fact, exports, I think they account for about 30% of, um, the, the GDP. So, you know, that, you know, that both creates amazing opportunities, right? If you can think about how you can sort of, you know, think about, you know, lighting up a, an export market would be amazing. Um, but, you know, at the same time, it means, you know, the businesses and the challenges are, are differently for the non uh, different for the non-export companies. So, um, you know, it's unique. There's a huge amount of potential, um, both locally and abroad. And, um, yeah, it's, um, it's actually really exciting to, to come back and, you know, share my wares with, with, with my hometown. But, yeah, it's cool. But, you know, broader than New Zealand, we've got obviously got the Asia-Pac market. Um, and, you know, we're certainly looking forward to, to starting to expose that through, um, you know, getting involved more in Australia and then through, through Asia. Yeah, that's uh, it, it. Really, is great to have uh, to have a presence of foothold in uh, in uh, ANZ and, and and all of Asia. We're um, pretty thrilled to have you uh, kind of launching the the momentum presence there. So, um, yeah. The, so the last thing I just like to like to ask on you know on the podcast is just just recommendations. If if you have any recommendations that you uh, like to provide to to. You know, people that are trying to learn a little bit more about, uh, you know, about the industry or, or, or any other kind of cool tips that you like to share. And it, it doesn't have to be tech. If there's, um, is, is there anything that you, uh, that you like to recommend to people? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, there's a cool, th there are a few, um, a few cool tips, I suppose. <laughs> um, you know, I'm not sure my, my stepson would agree with the cool part of my statement. I'm not sure I fall into that category yet. But um, the um, the thing I the thing that I would recommend to people is, um, you know, learn as much as you can uh, about what other people are doing. I'm sure a lot of people have heard that before. You know, learn, learn, test, evolve, be open to, to vulnerability and and, and failure. Um, you know, I think that that's an essential thing, and that, but it's very easy just to go off and say that, right? Go and go and be happy if you fail fast and do all of that sort of stuff. It's very hard to know how to do to do that. Um, so one of the one of the tips is, you know, go out and research all the different types of methodologies out there for doing this stuff. Mm. Um, my my key thing is, you know, there's you know there's lean startup, there's design thinking, you know, there's uh, discovery driven growth. There's there's so many of these really cool frameworks out there for um, for learning and 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 doing this stuff. Learn them all because actually I don't believe any one of them works in isolation. Mm. Um, I think there's a there's a convergence of all of these these techniques that work for the right business at the right time and and having having the flexibility and understanding that is um is 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 useful um so yeah i think that would probably be one recommendation um i think the other thing is is um you know one of the things i've sort of learned more recently is you know start to be aware 
um, of what it is that you're doing early on in your career. Um, one of the things I've been quite passionate is around, um, you know, really empowering our youth uh, and thinking that, you know, acknowledging the fact that traditional styles of learning and your, your early years in your career, um, uh, you know, they, they don't really set you up for the, the type of world that we're, we're moving into now. No, and so I true. kind of, yeah, and, and, and I, I, I always wish that, you know, you know, we always say, if I knew what I knew now back then, but actually we are in a position now to teach um, people what we know now. And, um, you know, teaching, you know, just teaching the youth uh, and the youth asking and being asking to learn about, you know, this type of ways, these types of ways of thinking and acknowledging that your day to day, you know, doing an exam does not and, and failing exams does not define you. Um, but, you know, how you, you know, how you approach this world is, is it. So, you know, I think, uh, you know, that would be the other thing, the recommendation for people who have got those learnings to, you know, start to think of ways that they can, you know, empower the youth to, to perhaps, you know, move quicker and, and uh, be more innovative. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. I think that's, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's great advice for all of us. And, and we are in a, we are in a state of constant, constant change and and i i learned a, <laughs> a lot of things just talking to you in this conversation so it's, it's every every day is uh is an opportunity to, to kind of make us stronger and, and better position for for the uh for the for the massive changes that are coming so okay. um, so lauren i really want to thank you for for taking the time to uh you know to have this conversation for the for the podcast um I'm Ed McGuire again, this uh, Insights Partner at Momenta Partners, and, and this was uh, another episode of our Edge podcast. And our, our guest, uh, Lauren Salisbury, is a partner in Momenta Partners. And so thank you very much, Lauren. That was really yes, enjoyable. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Momenta Intelligent Edge podcast. We rely on feedback, comments, and input from our listeners. So please interact with us by going to our LinkedIn page, our Twitter accounts, or email us at edge at momenta.partners with any suggestions, guest ideas, or commentary. We really value your input and appreciate your listening. Thanks a lot. This is Ed McGuire, Insights Partner, with Momenta Partners.